Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Hump Day edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Wherever and however you may be listening, we appreciate that very much. Thank you for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. Andrew Burns is a former defensive lineman for the Golden Eagles, and he'll be on the show in a bit. Kelly Sanders traveling somewhere in the U.S. today. We'll track him down and uh, bring him on the show as well. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters, we're happy to say, of the Eagle Hour and all things Southern Miss. So we encourage you uh, to repay them by doing business with our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Uh, Luke Johnson, how are you on a Wednesday afternoon? Man, rain shower just popped up here in Laurel, and, uh, man, there's some big old drops coming down. Subsided for the moment, but overcast. Uh, Hump day, and, man, uh, you were telling me what we were leading with today, some crazy stuff going on uh, in the realm of college football. Well, every morning I try to uh, scan through – all the major sports sites, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, uh, Bleacher Report, all the major ones that uh, everyone is accustomed to. And so this morning I run up on uh, two articles, one in USA Today. Look, i got to tell you, man, this just don't, jumps out at me. Uh, according to USA Today, they did an investigation. They interviewed more than a dozen coaches and ADs from Power 5 schools. They remained anonymous so that their honesty, I guess, could be reported. And uh, USA Today says the level of uncertainty and alarm about the current COVID-19 situation has grown substantially in recent days. These coaches and athletic officials say the idea of delaying college football until the spring of 2021 is now being openly discussed and that some FBS conferences have actually engaged with negotiations with banks to open lines of credit to guard against lost fall revenue if football were to be pulled back uh, until the spring. Uh, one Power 5 athletic director says the next 30 days could be the most critical in the history of college sports. And the article goes on to say also that basketball coaches are beginning to express real concern about the uh, ability to play. One coach brought up an interesting point, Luke. He said some of the Power 5 schools will have much more financial you know, ability to test all their athletes daily than some of the smaller schools. And at this point, he would not be willing to put his basketball team on the floor against any school that couldn't show that athletes are being tested every day uh, like at his school. Ominous, ominous reporting uh, from USA Today. And I guess the question is, are we really about to see what we always thought would just be just totally impossible. Are we about to see that happen? College football not being played come September in America. 
Somebody said one time uh, over the last week or so that the you know statement, the cultural statement, hindsight is twenty twenty, was probably actually a saying implemented from a time traveler who came back from the future. <laughs> uh, and when you when you think about that, I mean, this year is redefining everything that that we see. And I'm I'm not getting political here, but I, I never thought I would see a statue of General George Washington defaced. Right. You know? I didn't right. think that would happen. Um, didn't think that the Mississippi flag would be retired um, this soon. And you know, I've spoken where I stand on that issue. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for our state to move on. You can disagree with me whether you want to. I didn't think I would ever see that. I didn't ever think that I would see um, a, a pandemic. I mean, there's a board game out there we would play sometimes called Pandemic. You know, where you plan. <laughs> I didn't ever think I'd walk through one. I didn't think there would be a a time where you and I would have to scrounge for material because there's literally not a sporting event going on in the United States of America. So with with it talking about it, it is unfathomable to believe at the same token it's saying it is very, very, very possible with how everything else is going on in our country and our culture right now. It would surprise me. And yet, at the same time, it would not surprise me one second. This is why it's so important. Do you think, because we saw the NCAA just de facto, without consulting conferences, man, they pulled the plug on the big dance. They just they pulled the plug on it. Do you think that... Uh, a decision like that is going to come down. Do you think it'll be the NFL first? Do you do you think? Because here's the thing: these discussions are happening while Major League Baseball just announced their season. These discussions are happening while the NBA just announced their season. These discussions are happening while the PGA turn or the uh, PGA has held tournaments the last few weeks. NASCAR is getting back up. So here's the question: If college football pulls the plug and moves it to the spring. How does that affect everyone else or the fact that everyone else is reopening? Will that ultimately allow the college football season? Right. Uh, Another article uh, kind of in relationship to the USA Today uh, printed today on CBS Sports. uh, Two professors, a professor of medicine and infectious disease at UAB, combined uh, a study with a professor from of computer science at the University of Illinois uh, projects that there are 13,000 FBS athletes scheduled to return to campuses across the country next month. Uh, they say statistically 30 to 50 percent of those will develop COVID-19 if they all return. Uh, some of those will require hospitalization and as many as 10 to 12 could die. And they say p- football players 300 pounds and over would be considered high risk they say 18 and 18 to 22 year olds statistically now one in every 1000 that develops covid dies from the age of 18 to 22 and i guess they use that uh, you know they can they, they give put me that, that again what, what's that number what's uh, that number 18 to 22 year olds one in every 1000 die of covid-19 okay. so that okay so there's approximately there's 130 fbs football subdivision where southern miss and and group of five power five arts, 130 teams. You're going to have 85 on scholarship with walk-ons. You're probably going to have between 110 and 115. That gives you roughly 13,000. Right. That's what they're just saying. Just FBS yeah. teams. Right. So you've got another with 125 FCS teams. Just in Division One in football, you've got 26,000 athletes. Now, if that percentage is right, 
you you think about it. Now, it would be a, a marginal number, and I'm just speaking objective here, taking my emotions out of it. At the same token, if you have one or two or even five 18 to 22 year olds that die because we have a college football season. There will be a cultural outcry like you have never seen. Although right. Right. across the board, I don't know what the statistics are, but you've got guys that, that break their neck. You'll have a guy with a weather related death or, or he'll have a heart attack. Even in high school, it happens. But with so much emphasis on COVID 19, I get it. I mean, I, I totally get what they're staring at if they're looking based on the numbers alone. And what if those spike a little bit? What if you double that? And then you're at right. you're at fifty D one players. So yeah, it's it's just hard to wrap your your mind about it. And and the NCAA, it's not the NBA. Obviously, it's not professional. It's not MLB. You're not dealing with thirty teams, and you're not dealing with even thirty teams with twenty five to thirty players. And even with the NFL, you're not dealing with thirty uh, thirty two teams with. 53 players. You're dealing with 13,000 players across 130 programs, plus staff, plus coaches, plus personnel. It it is a lot for these conferences to wrap their minds around. And it's a different scenario, too, in this respect. These uh, These are not grown men, per se, you know, that are being paid millions of dollars to come play football. Uh, these are kids. I mean, 18 to 21-year-old people are, are young. And uh, I don't know, Luke, I, I never thought we would even have this type of serious discussion. But when you read these articles and then you see what's going on right now in the, in the country, and now there's this huge debate, it's, it's almost become a political fight like everything else. I think for the first time I'm beginning to really wrap my head around the fact that there may not be football this fall. I don't know about you, brother, but I just find that hard to imagine. The NFL has made it pretty clear that that they're going to play now again, and, I, and I'm in college second, football. Yeah, second, yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is, second wave hits. Say the second wave hits. Could NFL could totally take back everything that they just did? But if you know this, if college football didn't happen. High school football ain't happening. Right. High school football ain't happening. Obviously, junior high ain't happening. Peewee ain't happening. Youth ain't happening. And football will probably be regulated to two days a week, which here in the South, there's going to be a lot of bored people. <laughs> That's for sure. A lot of frustrated people. A lot of strained people. Um, is it worth it to, to hold it off? Based off the numbers you gave, probably so. Well, I agree with Luke. I I never thought I'd be having this discussion, but I never thought I'd live to see the day that statues of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were being defaced and torn down. So we'll continue to follow it day by day. Hope we're wrong. Hope we can all start talking about football here pretty soon. Whether they play or not, we're going to talk about football next with Andrew Burns, former Golden Eagle lineman. Stay with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Welcome back. Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly will be joining us here in just a few moments. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. What a great place to go shop for Southern Miss Apparel for your house, for your car, for your home. They're open Monday through Saturday and they're back open Happy to say, on Hardy Street, right across from the Southern Miss campus. Or, of course, you can go online to campusbookmart.net. Either way, you'll find a great selection of Southern Miss apparel. All right, our next guest was a defensive lineman for the Golden Eagles from, I believe, 2007 through 2011. He came to us from the great state of Alabama, Andrew Burns, on the Eagle Hour. Andrew, we're glad to have you on the show. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Well, tell us, how do you make your way from uh, the great state of Alabama to the great state of Mississippi to play college football, Andrew? Um, well, recruiting, for one, uh, and, of course, just playing football for, you know, Southern Miss's defense is just known, you know, through all the surrounding states. So um, that's just one of the things I wanted to do. Well, that's great to hear that. So what you're telling me is, as a kid growing up in Alabama, where obviously they have two stellar football programs and uh, – and some other great programs, I think, Troy, UAB, all really quality uh, colleges and universities. But but growing up in that environment, you were well aware of the defensive history at Southern Miss. Oh, yeah, of course. And that, that led, was that a big factor in your deciding to come here? Well, it, it was one, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wanted to go out of state. Uh, I wasn't recruited by Alabama uh, nor Auburn, which, I, you know, I would love those programs as well. Uh, but Southern Miss was, you know, far enough, but still close to home. Uh, and, again, just that defensive reputation, uh, just something I I was going for. I wanted a defensive school, so. Right. Well, you know, Andrew, my, I have a daughter and son-in-law that live in Birmingham area, and and uh, they've been there for a while. And, you know, every, every time I go there and I'm moving around the community, I see tons of Southern Miss stuff. There, there is a big Southern Miss alumni base in your home state. Oh, yes, it, it, very much so. Uh, we actually tried to start a petition to get uh, a Southern Miss decal for uh, an Alabama tag for a, a car license plate. Uh, we actually started a petition, and I, I would have to check with uh, Cameron O'Neill and uh, Peter Bain to find out where we are with that. But yeah, that was something that we were we, – we have a lot of representation here. So I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that because I can't tell you how frustrating it is to see all the Alabama license plates on Mississippi Absolutely. cars. <laughs> You know what Absolutely. I'm talking about, don't you, Andrew? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke, get in here. Andrew Burns on the Eagle Hour. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, it is kind of frustrating, and it seems like both in Alabama and Mississippi, usually in mid-October, there becomes so many more Roll Tide fans, particularly on, you know, in, on the Mississippi side. Was it that way growing up in Alabama? I mean, when when you're born, are you a tiger or uh, an elephant? or a Plainsman, I should say, officially, uh, or are you – do people just kind of sway sometimes with the wind? Well, uh, you're kind of born into it. Either you're an Alabama or Auburn fan. I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an Auburn fan, you know, to my heart. Um, you know, we played Auburn, and I was kind of, you know, just, just put back a little bit, and that was one of the most exciting games I played in. Um, but, yeah, you're born either Alabama or Auburn. If you've got something different, a different opinion, it really doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> 
Well, we're, we're glad you, you rose above what you were dealt with at birth and you became a Southern Miss Golden Eagle. Um, you came in your true freshman year. Uh, just the way that, that things work out, Jay Hobson was uh, the defensive coordinator. I, I graduated in 05. He came back from Ole Miss and was the defensive coordinator of my senior year. When you come on campus in 2007, you kind of were baptized into the nasty bunch under the present head coach of Southern Miss. Yes, 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 uh, yes, I was. Uh, so, of course, uh, being under Jeff Bauer as the head coach and with, with Coach Hop, I mean, Coach Hop, he, he, he really understood the defense and he really, under, you know, understands the nasty bunch. Like, that's, that's something that, that, that he's just known for. So, I know with him being there now, the defense is going to be phenomenal. We, we've asked, we had a Snowman on, we had Snowden on, uh, we've had uh, several of your former teammates on, and I just like to hear it because so much of the perspective comes out. How, how, how did it hit you when, when Jeff Bauer, who's been there for so long, steps down, uh, looking back on it, people know that he was basically forced out, and here comes Coach Fedora. And, and for you, that was your first year. It's, we've heard from some guys it didn't impact them as much because it was just one year, and then you get four years of Fedora. What was that transition like for you? Well, it was kind of similar. Uh, you know, redshirt my freshman year, um, but, you know, having all the plays down under Coach Bauer and everything, and, you know, we kind of considered ourselves the Bauer boys, you know, the last of Bauer's actually recruiting class to get in there. Um, so, I mean, we always have, you know, a uh, love for Coach Bauer, no doubt. You know, we also love Fedora. Um, but, I mean, it, it wasn't too much of a transition for myself just because, you know, like I said, being a red-shirted and then going and, you know, it was just learning a new playbook, learning a new coach. Uh, well, you know, defensive coach, offensive coordinator, the whole nine yards change. Uh, but, I mean, it, it was it was a good change. Andrew, do you recall when uh, – were you in a meeting when Jeff Bauer uh, talked to you guys and let you know that he was leaving? And if you were, can you kind of recall what that was like and what he said and what the reaction in the room was? Well, to be honest, for, for myself, it was kind of one of those things like we all knew it was coming. So mm-hmm. we, we kind of had our, you know, our, our minds prepared, our hearts prepared on what he was going to say. So, you know, when we had that meeting, uh, as far as I can remember, it was one of those things, like I said – we, we knew it was going to happen. Um, so, I mean, of course, it was bad times. You know, Coach Bauer, of course, he left us out, you know, with a bang. Um, he, he definitely had us excited for the Birmingham Bowl. Um, and he, he, he was Coach Bauer. I mean, he kept us excited. He kept us, you know, being positive, uh, wanted to continue uh, just, just, just playing for Bauer. So, I mean, it was, uh, it, was, it was heartbreaking at the same time. But, you know, we were kind of a little bit prepared for it. So, it kind of eased the pain. Right, and you know, and Larry DeFore's Larry uh, Fedora's defense, he did bring he brought some excitement to the team. I'm uh, he brought a totally new approach uh, to playing the game, didn't he, Andrew? Oh yeah, he he absolutely did. Uh, Coach Fedora was a very exciting person. Is a very exciting person. Uh, his his excitement kind of contagious. So you know, when you have a head coach that just gets that fired up, or you know, with a, a a big hit or a big tackle or something like, I remember when uh, Cordero Law completely destroyed a quarterback once. And Coach Fedora was the first person to meet him on the field. Like that's just, you know, that's that, that's what you like seeing out of coaches, you know. Uh, so he, like like Deke Adams, you know, when he came in a couple years later, I mean, he was kind of the same way. Uh, so anytime you have a coach that can bring in that excitement and keep you know your players going, that's just something you can feed off of constantly throughout the game. When you have that kind of offense yeah. that Larry Fedora brought in, I, I think in a way that sort of changes the mindset of the defense. Am I correct? Because. Uh, you know, the, the game is not squarely on your shoulders as it was for so many years at Southern Miss on, on the defense's back. Yes. Uh, speaking to a lot of the older guys when Coach Fedora came in, 
they, they noticed that it was a difference of, you know, the offense controlling the game a little bit more. Uh, so that, that definitely helped out the defensive side, the special team side. Uh, and I know the offense, of course, they, they love getting out there scoring points. And, you know, that spread offense was, was something to deal with. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it was exciting. All right, Luke? How How is it, though, because this is the rap that came with Fedora, okay, because he came from the Big 12, and the, the joke kind of there is, we don't play defense, we'll beat you 56-51 to 51 in triple overtime, you know? Was there any stigma, because that, that's kind of what's kind of placed out there. Is, is there anything to that at all, Andrew, planned for him for four years, or did, what, did he emphasize the defensive side of the football? Oh, no. Uh, well, my perspective, Coach Fedora – he very much emphasized the defense side of the ball. Uh, he didn't expect us to let the offense win in practice or whatever it was. Um, if, if the defense wasn't doing a, a great job in practice, he, he would literally stop practice, start the period over, or whatever he needed to do to make sure we're all on the same page. Because he, he understood, you know, a lot of times we have ones versus ones, twos versus twos, et cetera. Uh, but he understood if it's the best of the best, then this shouldn't be a one-sided game. So he wanted us to get after each other and compete. Uh, so now he may have, you know, been involved with, you know, calling plays and things like that. But Coach Bedore was very much a part of the defense. You, uh, you about a minute and a half left. You, you mentioned how you guys were the last, um, the last class. You called yourself the Bauer Boys. I played for Coach Bauer my whole five years at Southern Miss. Was there ever a time that you guys? were able to instill in Fedora players some of the things that you had learned under Coach Bauer, Coach Ops, and his staff in your freshman year? Well, I think it was more of a lead-by-example thing, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, there were several guys in our recruiting class that came through, um, and just us being the older guys at that point, um, and obviously, you know, our senior year, we had some great guys on our team that did a a lot of uh, great things. But I just think just leading-by-example, I mean, we didn't have to – you know, ever say, hey, this is how, you know, Fedora does it, but this is how Bauer wanted it done. You know, we never had to do that. It was just we were out there trying to compete, and we were trying to do the best that we could be. Uh, that, that, that's always the case, though. So, Andrew, we've got uh, just 30 seconds left. Our listeners love to uh, know where our former athletes are and what they're doing. Are you back in Alabama, and can you share with us what's going on in your life now? Yes, sir. So I'm back in Alabama. Um, I'm married to – my college girlfriend, Kayla, uh, she was actually a part of the team. Uh, she was on the video crew, so she traveled with us a lot. Uh, we have two beautiful kids, a little boy named Nash and a three-month-old named Nova. Uh, we're actually really good friends with Dedrick Jones, who played. Uh, he's actually about 30 minutes yeah. down the road from us, so we, we hang out a lot. Um, that's what we're doing. We're just, we just have our life in here in Birmingham, and we're enjoying it. Well, that's a good story, Andrew. We're glad that uh, things have turned out so well for you. You've, uh, you took a little piece of the football program with you in the way of a wife, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best play you made in your whole career. Yes, Andrew. sir. Definitely. That's what I did. Definitely. All right, brother. You have a, you have a good life, and uh, thank you so much for being on the Eagle Hour. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Andrew Burns, everybody. Living the good life in Alabama. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. 
great conversation with Andrew Burns, former D lineman for Southern Miss football. Appreciate his time today. On the Eagle Hour, third segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium, home of the 895 Lunch. Go uh, visit our friend Slade White and his friendly crew and uh, check out 4th Street Bar and Grill. They're a proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Thank you for joining Bob and Luke today from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and a wet downtown Laurel, Mississippi. Kelly John Sander joins us, continuing his Heartbeat of America tour. Are you doing concerts at night, Kelly? Is that how it's working? <laughs> When when I feel like it. Right now, I'm uh, I'm sipping on a couple of cold ones at the Spotted Trotter in downtown Atlanta. <laughs> Spotted Trotter. I, I hate that you guys. Yeah, hate that yeah. you guys actually. Is that the garden where the the Redskin guys were, or, or what? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a different beer garden. Although you are seeing a trend here, Luke. I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> these these are COVID nineteen yeah. free facilities you're going into, right, Kelly? And calorie-free and all of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got you. Okay. As long as you're, yeah, long as right. you're watching for I mean, your look, in, in 2020, we can pick where we want to go. We can turn it on. COVID will just jump over us and go to the next guy if we're doing it for all the right reasons. So I, hopefully, I, look, Kelly, guys, the way are. things are going, we're, we're all going to be dead by New Year's Eve anyway. So <laughs> just live it up. You know, yeah, you, know you better that, watch that spotted trotter. He's probably going to grow fangs in the next five minutes. Also, right, oh, right. spotted trotter is a happening place, guys. I'm telling you, Kelly Sander. Uh, well, Ke- go ahead, Luke. Go ahead. We were talking about what to what do we bring up first? Uh, I guess the uh, regarding Southern Miss is the cancellation of minor league baseball. Um, looks like it possibly. Depending on what happened, Nick Sandlin and Cody Carroll are going to be in that 55-man roster for the Orioles and the Indians. But, man, you start thinking about everybody else, Kelly. First time, I believe, since 1901 we're not going to have minor league baseball. Yeah, and I vaguely remember that. Um, <laughs> same kind of circumstances if memory serves. But yeah. but really, you know, and all kidding aside, now, now what a lot of these minor league players have to decide because because it's never, it's never going to go back to the way it was. Um, you know, teams are finding out, you know, that they can do with less, uh, particularly financially. So a lot of these minor league players are going to have to face a decision, you know, in conjunction with, you know, their wives, if they're married and their families. I mean, is this something you're going to want to wait out for a whole year with absolutely no guarantees that you're even going to have a job next year at this time? Uh, do you have confidence that things are going to be back to normal? And, and what do you do to pay your bills in the meantime? So where I'm going with this is I think a lot of uh, particularly marginal minor league players are just going to say, you know, hasta la vista, you know, I'm out of here. Um, and and like Matthew Gidry made that decision as far as not going back to play a senior year, he's going to get on with his life. Because at some point, even for the best of players, at some point baseball is going to end. Um, now, a lot, of, you know, for some of them, a few of them, they make enough money playing baseball where even when it ends, they don't have to worry about paying their bills. But we'll all agree that that a large majority, you know, that's not the case. So, really, really tough times for these, you know, guys have to make those decisions. And then these cities and, and owners and ballparks that may sit there empty. What are they going to do with those? You know, including right up the, you know, road in Pearl. Um, you know, so it's just. Man, this thing is so far-reaching, sideways and depth-wise. We still don't know how this is this is going to affect things even three to five years down the road. 
Who could have ever pictured this? You, you make a really good point. You've got that beautiful stadium down on the Gulf Coast where the Shuckers play. Uh, it was announced yesterday. Obviously, it's going to sit empty. You've got uh, the stadium up in Pearl uh, going to sit empty. So the players, Kelly, are not the only ones taking a financial hit from these decisions. It's pretty far-reaching. into the. It, it reaches into communities all over the country. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a part-time worker at these places, you know, selling Cracker Jacks or working in the concession stand or working out in the parking lot, you know, I mean, even, even people like that, what, you know, what are they going to do? And now Jackson, you're going to have Trustmark sitting empty in Pearl, and they've already got Smith Wills that's, that's kind of been on again, off again with events. So this is really tough. Uh, and I just, and I, like I said, I don't think we're going to know the full effects of this for another three to five years. The guys have got some tough decisions to make. Now, Kelly, one of the things that Luke and I discussed early in the show was this USA Today article about the pessimism among Power Five ADs. And one of the things that it said was there's beginning to openly discuss, and these are the athletic directors of the Power Five schools, beginning to openly discuss, according to USA Today, the possibility of moving the football season back to the spring. And you've indicated that in Mississippi, the High School Athletic Association, Activities Association, whatever, uh, they're beginning to have those same discussions. That was, that was an idea that's been on the table for about you know, a month or so. Going back, in the meantime, Executive Director Don Hinton of the Mississippi High School Activities Association announced yesterday that he is going to retire December 31st. Um, you know, bless his heart, him and a bunch of other people say, man, I don't know. It's <laughs> probably time for me to, you know, go to the house uh, with all these things. But, you know, that's one of the things being discussed. The football coaches, you know, when you ask them, they're saying, look, we really want to have it in the fall, even if it means an abbreviated schedule. And one of those ideas has been you normally play three or four or five pre-district games, so to speak, that, that don't count for your playoff standings. High school coaches are, are talking about, look, could we, could we start the season maybe in October and, or, or even you know, late September and just play our region game? So you play a, I don't know, a five- or six-game region schedule and then start your playoffs you know, and, and go forward. So, but the only thing, the only thing that, you'd be, that would be doing there is you'd be starting the season four, five, six weeks later. But, but from some of these numbers that we're getting across the country – this situation isn't getting better; it's getting worse. Correct. Um, so, but but whatever decision the MHSAA makes, you guys, they're, they're going to have to make a decision quickly because hypothetically, if they move the baseball season to the fall and move football to the spring, athletic directors are going to have to schedule games, right? So they're going to have to get on the phone and and start booking these games. If indeed that's what they're going to do, um, and. You know, basketball, you wouldn't necessarily think would be affected because they start, you know, later anyway in November. But uh, And I know a lot of the baseball coaches are not, not in favor of flipping it to the fall. But, again, it's not a perfect world. Um, right. And as they look at solutions, I would think that the two that make the most sense, if they can safely do it, because as we've mentioned, the football, they've got to have a crowd to pay their bills. So if the football season could be started later with, with fewer games, that might work, but the only other viable option, is, you know, some are saying, is doing that, flipping those schedules. Having baseball be played in the fall, football played in the spring, take about a month off in the summer and have football crank right back up again. Luke Johnson, could you envision this spring at Southern Miss and other colleges around the country playing football, basketball, baseball, all in the same season? 
Did you say high school or college? College. I just, I, I don't. I, where, where's the point where they lose money for doing that? Yeah, I, mean, I don't where, know. Where's the point where, especially, I mean, think about it. At a school like Southern Miss, we've pulled it off where we have early basketball game. Uh, you, you have early basketball game as incentive for people to go to basketball and then go to baseball. How are you going to do that for weekend series when you have a home game in football? I mean, people pull it off in the spring, but think about season ticket holders. Yeah. Think about um, time. I mean, I mean, we have been bored out of our minds for a year, so maybe we would sit 12 hours in three different sporting venues. Maybe we would. But at what point does do you you lose money by, you know, and then when you have that too, how, how many people are you going to put in the stands if you hold back? Yeah. Kelly, can we just fast forward to 2021? Man, this is just—it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, the, and again, the football situation isn't isn't as big a problem at Middle Tennessee and UTSA, you know, as it is. They'll just call everybody up, put everybody on a group text that owns a season ticket. <laughs> so, better luck, better luck next year. Not to guys. mention your yeah. second favorite school, UTEP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm they send the messages out, my... out to all their social media followers. Yeah, that, yeah. That's they, pretty they easy hate for them. me at UTEP. I can't understand why. We had heard a little rumor about a ceremony for you, Kelly. They wanted you to come out there and personally uh, take a, an award they're going to give you. <laughs> no, they yeah, they, they wanted to personally escort you out of the country. That's what right, they wanted yeah, to do. Sander disappears into the desert. <laughs> a shovel and dirt involved. I'm not so sure I want to go. <laughs> Speaking of shovels and dirt, are, are you and the you and the uh, the rappers hanging out there and, and the big ATL having a good time in the clubs at night? Oh, yeah. but, but Bob, they're first of all my guy. They're they're EDMers. I'm they're sorry. not rappers. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I like, I like electronic five out there. Electronic dance music is that correct? Is that the That's correct? correct? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, where's Dead Mouse Five? Where is he? No, he's gone. I had breakfast with Skrillex <laughs> today, so. <laughs> And then you sounds know, like a prescription drug, yeah, like for your back if your back's out or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't ask him where he got his name, but uh, no, no, you, you like breathing, right, Kelly? But, but headed to Nashville a little bit later on today. Hopefully, enjoy the Fourth of July. And I asked my hosts up there, "What are we going to be doing?" They said, "Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is open." You know. So we're just going to sit on their deck, I guess, for uh, three days. Shoot off a couple firecrackers. All right, Kelly, hang on. We're going to keep you. Is that good? I'm here. Take a big swig. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment of the Wednesday Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. If you're choosing the next vehicle, let it be a Toyota and go see our good friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg, proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour. Also, um, guys, you know, we, we talked about how minor league baseball is canceled yesterday. Um, I'll tell you what, D-Bat's going to be hopping because there are going to be some more instructors there, some of those guys that – I uh, played minor league baseball and we're looking to be the next prospects. So I'm sure they're going to uh, stay at DBAT in Hattiesburg. And so uh, take your kid down there, sign up for a membership. Uh, great f- facilities down there with top notch instructors. And we appreciate DBAT's sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Speaking of baseball, 16 Southern Miss players, 11 returners, and five new players uh, set to join the program next year are, are playing summer league, uh, collegiate league baseball. Um, several in in Texas, uh, some in the uh, Southeast Collegiate League, guys like uh, Hunter Stanley, Tyler Spring, Fisher Norris, Ben Etheridge, Chandler Best, uh, Reed Trimble. So, you know, those guys, uh, a lot of, several of them from, uh, from Mississippi. It's good to know at least guys somewhere they're being able to play baseball. And, and Luke, I want to follow up with what you were saying about, about D-Bat. What, what's, one of the inconsistencies with the with the whole way that we're battling COVID, all right, you've got they shut down the whole college season, they shut down the high school season, and they did shut down the youth season for a little bit. But if you look all around the state, you know, from the beautiful Sportsplex in Gulfport to you know the fields in uh, in Brandon, uh, Friendship Park, I think they, they call it, um, and and up in up in Oxford, you know, they have that beautiful Snowden Grove. Athletic, those athletic fields up there. Youth baseball teams are still playing by the hundreds. So, so if we've got the college games shut down and, and the high school games shut down, why are we letting little kids play who have adult parents? I, you know, I don't, I don't get it. And, I'm, and again, I, it's fine with me, whatever way you want to go. But hmm, that was not a that cannon make... that went off, by the way, guys. That was thunder. Wow. Okay. Go ahead, but, I, but you know what I'm saying is is uh, those kids, and you say, well, you know, the biggest uptick in this are younger people that are getting this COVID now, and a lot of these those are parents of maybe some of these kids that are out playing youth baseball. So how is it that we can't play college and high school, but we can play youth? baseball that's one of the inconsistencies i just i don't understand well i guess they would say that you're going to have a lot more people at a college baseball game than you are at a little league baseball game where you're largely going to have the parents and the grandparents but your point is well taken and uh you know everywhere that there are people gathering apparently this stuff is spreading i don't know do you ever do you ever think that maybe we just ought to just shut down all sports for about six months and see if we can't get past this, Kelly. I just I don't know that people would stand for it, Bob. That's I, I just, people just our society just won't sit still long enough. Oh, you're right. You know, but and you were talking about one game, you know, one college game, but these youth tournaments, Bob, and you used to coach, you know, travel softball, right? You know, there's there's twelve games going on at once. No, that's right. Oh yeah, you're right. Now you're right you in know, a tournament situation. You could have yeah. hundreds of people in a, in a complex, because you're right. You might have six, eight games at one time being played all day and well into the night, Kelly. Yeah, and, and you got you got Meemaw and Peepaw and, and That's aunts right. and uncles. And, you know, so I just don't understand why we shut down the bigger sports, but the youth sports are allowed to go on, and they're our most precious resource, or our kids. It's a weird time, guys. Here's another big question. If there is no football, what exactly are we going to do from August through November? Sit at home and do mean things to ourselves with a fork, I guess. I don't, I, I, I don't. Well, you do that in good times, Kelly. Well, I mean, I, 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 I've, man, witnessed that, I, I've witnessed that myself. 
And, and Luke said that Dr. Dobbs has said that now New York and New Jersey, we as Mississippians can't travel there. Right. And then I hate that because, man, Secaucus and Hoboken are beautiful for starting. Yeah, and, 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 you know, really, if, if you look at the streets of New York on any given night these days, doesn't everyone want to travel there, Kelly? <laughs> Isn't that exactly your idea of a vacation to loot and burn a few statues? Motel tax, I think, up there is like thirty-five percent. I'm not joking. (laughs) I I think it really is. Who in the the world in their right mind would want to go to New York right now? Right? Not right now. No, not right now. And who wants to go to New Jersey anytime? Well, yeah, exactly. Now, where are you headed, Santa? From from this uh, engagement today? I'm getting done here at the Spotted Trotter, then I'm headed up the 75 Highway, and then I'll hit the 24 and then go over to Nash Vegas, where I will proceed to sit for three days. I got you. So you're going from your dance music crowd to the country crowd? Is that correct? Yeah, Dirks Bentley and Travis Tritt and I, we got kind of a little thing going. Oh, yeah. We've got a little golf outing, but now we'll just have to shoot craps, figure something out, you know? Do you want to say so, goodbye to him, Luke? We're just about out of time. Thank you. Right figure word. out all the ways you can injure yourself with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ugly thing to witness. I'm just going to tell well, you that right but, now. But this is what happens when you have way too much time on yeah, your hands. Yeah, it's a brutal thing to watch. It's very, very difficult. It's sort of like watching old mall shows. I mean, you just barely. Do you have Do you have prior experience to that, Bob? I mean, I'm wondering how you know what he's talking about. I, I've witnessed it before. It, it, it's happened in my presence. It was just an ugly sight. I, to this day, I eat with a spoon. All right, that wraps <laughs> that wraps it up for today, and uh, maybe forever for Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Let us know if you get back in the state safely. Be safe, okay? Kelly. Yeah. Be yeah, safe. the guys at the Spotted Trotters today. Until then, Southern Miss. To the to top. The top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.